When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Lauren Lester, the voice of Robin and Nightwing, and you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam, streaming at DCAUReview.com and on your favorite podcast app. And remember, no one can be a boy wonder forever. Welcome, everybody, to episode 213 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal, and with me, my good friend, good brother, our other host, the man that runs our Twitter page. So many titles given to this man. That's right. It's Liam. Liam, we are smack dab in the middle. Well, I shouldn't say smack dab in the middle. We just kicked off last week but we're in week two of our elseworlds boy wonder month or robin the boy wonder month if you prefer and uh we have another universe maybe our most often visited universe kicking things off this week absolutely yes we have uh, we've visited this one quite a few different times in various elseworlds review but we are returning this week to the world of batman the brave and the bold and uh, of course, appropriately enough, for this month of Elseworlds Robin reviews, we have Robin's first sort of major appearance in this series, that being in the episode, The Color of Revenge. That is right. And before we get into this week's full breakdown of the plot and then our scores, let's, Liam, get our official IMDb synopsis for this week's episode, which originally aired here in the States on the Cartoon Network back on May the 22nd, 2009, meaning we're just a few weeks past the 13-year anniversary of this episode's debut. And of course, this segment is, as it always is, sponsored by The Pod Tower. Check out youtube.com slash The Pod Tower for not only our entire catalog of episodes and bonus episodes, episodes check out those other elseworlds months that we've done in the past Uh, you can also get some amazing content from other dcau creators just like us head on over to youtube.com slash the pod tower and subscribe today absolutely this is the synopsis for the color of revenge exclamation point written by todd casey directed by Michael Chang, with music by the Dynamic Music Partners, and animation by Digital Emation Inc. And that synopsis reads as such. Crazy Quilt is blinded by a young Robin. Years later, he comes to Bloodhaven looking for revenge. All right. That's short to the point. No spoilers at all for that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I give that a solid B. I, yeah, I do worry about the use of the he. You probably should have. You mentioned two different gentlemen in the first oh, sentence, yes. so you may, so you may need to uh, to qualify that pronouns, pal. Uh, you need to uh, need to worry about that. But yes, overall, I think a solid job. And uh, as the synopsis suggests, as uh, we've talked about quite a few times, as you mentioned, Cal, Raven the Bold episodes, we always have a, a cold open, a little, usually a little two minute mini adventure featuring Batman and one of his many. Uh, compadres throughout this series but this time uh, unlike some of those other episodes it, it isn't this self-contained little uh, adventure and it's actually a, a prologue to our main episode i agree with the commissioner batman this clue sure looks like it points to the gotham river there's always more to a clue than what meets the eye robin crazy quilt's paintings are no exception he's referring to waves of light not water red blue and green are the basic colors by which the human eye perceives light Here's where we'll find that flamboyant fiend. 
quilt is after the extremely dangerous stimulated emission light amplifier. Batman and Robin get a call from the commissioner and they race off to a, a planetarium of some sort I'm not, or a museum. I'm not quite sure where they, where they are, but uh, they're, uh, they are uh, fighting off crazy quilt and his, uh, his henchmen uh, and uh, crazy quilt has created this new weapon, which fires this sort of tricolored blasting laser and uh, Robin quickly notices that the uh, the panels on this uh, on this uh, space satellite that's uh, on display reflect that laser, and so he uses that panel to reflect it right back at Crazy Quilt. Not only damages the machine, but it damages Crazy Quilt himself, and uh, that's sort of the impetus uh, for our episode. As we uh, we get our theme song, and that's right to the action. Yeah, that's right. Uh, as you mentioned, that that part is uh, is very important to the rest of the show because we get uh, we get things kicking off. Of course, uh, this uh, they decided not to use Nightwing in this series, huh? They instead went with a an aged up Robin. Uh, well, spoiler alert: there there might be an episode later on where that that transition happens, but. But uh, in this in this first appearance here, it's a uh, it's a it's an adult Robin himself. Wow. Okay. That, then see, I'm learning new things about this show every <laughs> single day. Well, a, as we uh, flash forward to the adult Robin, uh, he is in Bloodhaven, as I mentioned, and there is a there is a break in happening at the Bloodhaven Bank by one Solomon Grundy, who makes a, yet another appearance. We uh, last saw him in one of our past reviews, but uh, he is uh, he he of the man with his mouth sewn shut, at least in this iteration of him, is breaking in and attempting to to rob the Bloodhaven Bank. And he is foiled, thankfully, by Robin, who seemingly is able to do much more than the cops of Bloodhaven can do, unsurprisingly, with this metahuman human menace and uh, he's able to make somewhat quick work of the undead uh, gangster he's able to do so and then uh, quickly thereafter uh, we learn that uh, that robin uh, has a visitor as uh, as he uh, he looks up in the sky and sees this eye blinking in the sky and uh, as he's sort of putting the pieces together he's cut off by none other than the dark knight himself or maybe in this iteration the bright knight himself who uh, has already figured things out and what the eye is doing and he informs robin that it's that it's blinking a Morse code and that Robin, uh, it must be that uh, that Crazy Quilt has escaped from Arkham and he's out for revenge on Robin. And uh, it's very quickly established here that this Robin has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder to say the <laughs> least. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so despite this uh, still being, as you said, in the Robin costume, they're definitely taking elements from the more modern dictator uh, Grace and Nightwing comics, where he sort of left uh, left the confines of Gotham City and establishes himself in his own city of Bloodhaven, and uh, and yes, he's he makes it very clear both during that fight with Grundy and then as soon as Batman sort of shows up, rides up right next to him, and they're both driving their individual motorcycles through the streets of Bloodhaven. That he's just it's really uh, it really does set up this vibe throughout the whole thing where I think anybody who maybe has not even necessarily a bad relationship, but like a con any sort of contentious relationship with a, a parent, especially, or, uh, you know, any kind of family member where you just, as soon as, as soon as they show up, you just feel yourself getting tense. And that's what it feels like as soon as, as Batman shows up, even though Batman's not really saying anything derogatory or, de or, you know, trying to rile Robin up in any way, he's just being Batman. And that alone is kind of what drives Robin a little bit crazy about the whole thing. Strange, it looks like. Morse code. It spells out an address on the corner of Haney and Aparo. What are you doing here? Shouldn't you be in a whale's belly with Aquaman or something? Crazy Quilt escaped. From Arkham, I know. Good, then you know it's you he's after. Yeah, I've got it under control. See you at the next Bat Family reunion. You have no idea how deranged Quilt's become. You always knew more than I did about criminals, right? Look, I know you left Gotham so you could be your own man, but I'm only here to help. 
It'll be just like old times. Fine, but just remember, follow my lead. You're in my city now. They arrive at this club and they have their first interaction with Crazy Quilt, who they they learn is, uh, again, is blinded, still blind from Robin's interaction with him that was in the little little uh, kickoff uh, trailer part there, the uh, intro. What do they call that? The like the cold the, open or the prologue? The cold prologue? open, perhaps. Yeah, perhaps that. All right. So they they quickly have uh, have realized that this this entire setup here is a bit of a ruse as uh, Crazy Quilt's henchmen are there and Robin headstrong and determined to make sure that he is the one to take down Crazy Quilt. Uh, chases after what he believes is Crazy Quilt and jumps into a room only to discover that, uh, hey, it's a trap. And it's sort of one of those <laughs> carnival machines that spins around and holds you against the wall with, uh, <laughs> sin, what's that? Centrifugal. Centrifugal force. And, uh, and so as they're spinning around, they're attempting to come up with an idea. Robin has an idea to sort of blow a hole into the side of the machine. Batman is very dismissive of that idea and says that this uh, that this uh, this light machine at the top of it must be connected to the same power source as the machine. So they're gonna they should take out the laser or take out the light with his bat laser. The spinning force combined with physical pressure could be enough to puncture the wall with the battering. No, we'll be crushed by them. The projector for the light pattern should be plugged into the same power source as the machine. <laughs> If I can just hit it with the bat laser. More often than not, escaping a death trap is about quick thinking, not brute force. Yeah, but my way worked too. Quilt said he's after something bigger. We need to find out what fast. Let's move. Oh, man, you trashed my bike. Not to worry, Robin. Please, not the sidecar. And there, Robin totally disregards it and jams this batarang into the side of the machine, which blows a hole into it, but simultaneously cuts the power also with Batman using his laser. And that's where we, uh, we again have the butting of heads from the uh, formerly known as dynamic duo. Yeah, they're, uh, you know, Batman sort of lecturing him that, uh, you know, brute force isn't, isn't the way to go you have to you know you have to be smart and quick th and think quick and all that and and robin very astutely points out but my thing worked too and batman <laughs> just kind of ignores that and, and keeps going and as they they go out we see this which is just a fantastic setup for a bit which is uh you know as they get outside and they're they're sort of moving on to the next clue uh, uh robin notices that his motorcycle has in fact been trashed and destroyed by crazy quilt henchmen. So uh, Batman alerts him that not to worry, he has a he has just the thing. And of course, since Batman is also on his motorcycle, he has the retractable sidecar. Um, we should I don't know. I didn't know when to slot this in because the whole episode feels like even more so than anything else we've talked about of this series. This is such an Adam West, Burt Ward episode like really? other than the fact that batman and robin like haiti are arguing with each other that didn't really happen but but like it feels like we're picking up maybe if that show went on for another five years and robin you know and robin became his own man this it almost feels like we're dropping back in on on them the way the way the the traps and and all the things and then yes the same, as we mentioned the uh robin is is so mortified to have to ride in this sidecar with batman and and he's so frustrated and then you know they're they're sort of discuss they're sort of discussing that and 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 batman asks robin if if there've been any art thefts recently and <laughs> because that's usually how uh how crazy quilt uh signals that he's about to commit a crime because like uh, like many of batman's rogues he can't help himself but leave clues to his next crime and of course, Robin remembers that Van Gogh's Starry Night was uh, was recently stolen from the, the Bloodhaven Museum, where it was on loan. Yeah, really, who? It's really on whoever owns that painting. Why would you loan it to any city that has a supervillain problem? Like that's just that's on you at that point. That's not on. 
that's not on the city or on or on or on Batman and Robin here. That's that's really on you. But the fine citizens of Bloodhaven deserve to be treated to the beauty that is fine <laughs> art. Leo. They, should, they should not be discriminated against simply because they have a higher chance of that piece being stolen. Fair enough. Fair enough. I apologize. But yes, that uh that sets it up where they, of course, they talk about the the name of the painting being starry night and robin goes well that must mean it's it's star labs which uh batman dismisses or doesn't say anything and then about five five or ten seconds pass and and then batman just repeats exactly what robin just said and they zoom off towards uh star labs it's so good <laughs> and we'll talk, we'll certainly talk more about this in voice acting but yeah it's just the timing of that joke was so tremendous quilt is a madman and more dangerous than ever but he still can't resist leaving clues to his crimes have there been any art thefts in bloodhaven since he escaped van gogh's starry night was on loan to the county museum and went missing yesterday it must mean quilt is heading to star labs i've got it starry night it must mean quilt is heading to star labs They drive off to Star Labs where they once again are coming face to face with Crazy Quilt and his henchmen. And, and, and once again, Robin is sort of relegated to uh, taking care of the, the henchmen and worrying about the getaway driver. And, and uh, meanwhile, Batman sort of faces down with Crazy Quilt to uh, we finally see the plan, which is that he's sort of rebuilt this special laser that he was messing with in the in the prologue intro to the uh, episode and not only that but he's going to connect it directly to his optic nerves which will i guess both restore his sight and allow him to use the laser just by thinking and looking at things which he will use to carve entire buildings into works of art you know like you do <laughs> right exactly i mean what else would you do with it <laughs> So they head head off to this uh, to Star Labs, and they, of course, this is they of course encounter Crazy Quilt and his his goons, and uh, despite his protests and his desire to go after Crazy Quilt himself, Batman insists that Robin go after the henchmen, and Robin uh, immediately asks why. To which Batman responds. Uh, the reason why you have to go after the henchmen is because you're good at it, and that's why you always have to go after. <laughs> Again, I howled. I, I <laughs> clapped my knee. So so funny. Uh, so throughout uh, through this, uh, it appears that uh, Robin actually does get the upper hand of the henchman. But uh, as he's outside, uh, Crazy Quilt escapes in his light ray tank thing. <laughs> I don't know. There's there's a name that they give it, but I uh, oh, the the mobile Sela S E L A. The, yeah, the mobile SELA. Uh, he has an unconscious Batman in his grasp at that point, so he's actually best at the Dark Knight and leaves Robin covered in rubble to escape and, and to try and figure out just how he's going to save Batman. He does mention, uh, him being Crazy Quilt, mentions that he's going to turn Batman into a rug, I think he says, a quilt. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a rug, not a quilt, a rug. So uh, Robin, Robin has to figure out exactly where he's going to find Batman or where Crazy Quilt would be able to turn Batman into a rug. So uh, he, he figures out that maybe it would be at this uh, Bloodhaven textile factory and uh, <laughs> driving away. Uh, he, by the way, as he, as he attempts to leave, Crazy Quilt trashes his bike, or we mentioned has tra trashed his bike before, which is why Robin had to ride in the sidecar. But now mm -hmm. Robin gets to drive the bat cycle in pursuit of <laughs> Batman. So uh, he's sort of back in the saddle, so to speak here. And so uh, he does go to the carpet factory and he, he does what he does best. He knocks out some of the henchmen. And uh, that's when he, uh, he finds Batman. Batman demands that he take him down. And before he does this, Robin decides he's got to get, uh, get, give Batman a piece of his mind before he, uh, before he, he cuts. Good Batman job, down. Robin. Now you have to get me out of here quickly. So listen carefully. No, you listen. I've got some things I want to get off my chest. First off, I'm not a child anymore, so I don't need you checking up on me and always looking over my shoulder. Sure, you taught me a lot when I was a kid, but I'm an adult now, and I've got my own city to look after. I don't need help, 
I don't chase henchmen, I don't get the costumes dry cleaned, and I don't ride in sidecars. Admit it, Batman. I'm just as good as you. Huh? Thanks for taking out the henchmen. Yeah. Apparently that's my specialty. <laughs> that's right. It's uh it's yeah, it's another pretty humorous bit here as as Robin is really just pouring his heart out and really letting letting Batman know all of the uh the problems that he has with 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 uh with everything that's happened over the year and years and and again it's the sort of the sort of thing that happens when you when you have an argument with family after not having the argument for a long time and it's just you're just you're just ranting and raving and meanwhile batman frees himself from the uh from the the textile uh machine and uh and he and uh they as they sort of continue to talk and 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 robin sort of is reminding him that he's uh you know he's his own man and all of that uh, crazy quilt once again breaks in having now successfully uh hooked up this 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 laser to his uh who to his brain directly uh and that sort of sets up our our final fight here as in the midst of uh of the fight batman and, and robin are sort of once again pinned behind uh, a pillar as as kate crazy quilt continues to uh, to fire on them and and robin asks batman what the plan is and and batman in uh, in a in a nice little sweet moment actually defers to robin and allows him to call the shots since they're in his city and uh, so the plan is actually a little bit of a reversal here as batman sort of acts as the uh, the distraction piece and and gets crazy quilt firing and looking at him all of the time and that allows robin to not only uh he uses a, a like an acetylene torch to drop a part of a steel girder to break the machine and then he uh as he remarks that he while he may have been raised by batman he never forgot his true roots and performs quite a few uh, acrobatic maneuvers to get close to crazy quilt and finally knock him down and sever his connection to this machine as he uh, remarks that he'll always be a flying Grayson at heart. And uh, that sets up our, uh, our nice little epilogue to the episode as Crazy Quilt is taken away. And, you know, as they, they continue to talk, Batman, you know, mentions to Robin that he's always had faith in him. He's always believed in him. And if he hadn't, he wouldn't have, you know, given Robin his blessing to go fight crime in his own city by himself. And, and uh, so as they sort of have their, they've sort of made up and there seems like they're back on the same page. Batman gets an alert that Killer Moth is on the loose and, and asks Robin if he wants to come with for old time's sake. And Robin's so excited, he, he almost lets out a, a golly. <laughs> and, uh, and, and then uh, it, again, in a beautiful bit of, of, of uh, comedy, it transitions from Robin's smiling face to him once again scowling with his arms crossed as he is back riding in the sidecar. <laughs> and that's how our episode ends. Just a really funny callback to end the episode. So, uh, boy, this is, a, this is just a whole hell of a lot of fun, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And uh, we've talked about that each and every time we've reviewed these episodes, that these are, are very lighthearted, with the exception of... Uh, of perhaps the last episode that we reviewed, which uh, mm -hmm. check out in the archives and uh, at DCAUreview.com, which is chill of the night. Again, you can hear that in the archives and was uh, quite frankly, an anomaly for this series. It seems like as far as being a serious, darker episode, but uh, these things are mostly lighthearted fun with a lot of subtle uh blink and you miss it humor uh and and not uh and and humor that can be appreciated by children and adults alike uh, mm -hmm. so i i think that 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 makes th what that's what makes this series so enjoyable and when you put in one of these episodes you know it, it goes by in a breeze it's not a it's not a slog to get through so yeah i i love from the opening bit there from that prologue where it's almost a, a straight homage to to batman 66 you had so many so many nods to it from wayne manor and the the blinking red phone and the poles and 
Uh, and then, you know, we'll talk about in visuals in just a second here, climbing up the side of the building and all of that. Like that, the first bit is just a, a shortened episode of Batman 66, essentially. Mm-hmm. And then uh, to have that directly connect with the story or the rest of the story and uh, you have some motivation and, and this this feeling of Robin, uh, which feels very natural for the episode of him feeling like he's being treated like a kid again. Batman's oblivious nature in which he's just sort of talking down to Robin the entire time and treating him like a sidekick (laughs) is great. But then at the end, having, having, when he, when Batman tells Robin, your villain, your plan, it's just like, it's just a feel good moment. It was just like, yes, Mm -hmm. like Batman, Batman is, is recognizing the, the, the air of his ways here. And he's going to give Robin the opportunity to stand on his own two feet and do what he thinks is best. And Robin clearly exceeds at it. And then to then, kind of revert back at the end where Robin's riding in the sidecar. It's just, it's just great comedy. So uh, for all those reasons, uh, I ended up giving plot uh, an eight out of 10 for this week. What about you? Yeah, I went, uh, I went with the exact same score an eight out of 10, just, just a whole lot of fun. And uh, for, for all the reasons you've mentioned there, not only for the, the homages to, uh, to Adam, the, again, to the, the 66 series, but then to, take what is essentially a it's a pretty like if you just look at it on paper as perhaps our synopsis suggests it's not a there's not really any subplots or anything else going on it's just crazy quilt is out and he's got a big laser <laughs> and this could be a you know this could be become really heavily reliant on the on the action sequences to kind of give it its pacing for for that reason but the fact that they kind of added in like we said this sort of very relatable and fun and funny subplot of robin just feeling you know feeling this this inferiority complex and and feeling the stress of being around batman after finally sort of feeling like he got got out from under that shadow to have to kind of go back in and, and work with batman again and and to ultimately get that uh you know to get that validation from batman at the end is, is a real fun bit there so yeah just a whole lot of fun Agreed. All right, well, let's move on to our next category, which will be visuals and animation. Uh, so I, I didn't catch the uh, the animation studio for this week. Who is their uh, is their animator? So per the uh, per the credits, it is uh, Digital Emation is the uh, is the company Digital Emation Inc. Gotcha. And, uh, Michael Chang is the director. Okay. Uh, so yeah, as I mentioned, I think uh, kicking things off, you have a, a, a pretty much, as we said, the opening bit is just a, a beautiful homage to Batman 66 from everything, the the change of the costumes. I was expecting a, a, a atomic batteries to power turbines to speed uh, <laughs> reference there. They did everything but that essentially even got the shot of Batman and Robin buckling their seatbelts before they, uh, before they mm-hmm. feed out of the cave. But uh, I loved that. And then it doesn't stop there as they arrive uh, to, to try and take down crazy quilt. They do the walk up the side of the building. Uh, you know, maybe the most iconic thing that people think about in when it comes to the, the 66 Batman. So uh, I loved all of those nods you know I, I don't know how much we've talked about it we've probably talked about it occasionally but batman 66 has a has a unique and a, uh, a special place in our hearts from watching reruns during our our childhood uh the original iteration of fx back in the day uh yes the the still fx now that's just drama and it's always <laughs> in philadelphia and whatever else they play on that show old, old movies i guess now i don't know uh-huh but, uh, but yeah, that when they first started out, they just had, I guess, the rights to all these old CBS and 20th Century Fox television shows that they just played on rerun. Uh, so we, we, yeah, we watched a lot of Batman 66 <laughs> back in the day. So, uh, you know, that having that clear homage and nod and uh, this series does its own, you know, it, it's its own nod to that silver age of Batman, but it doesn't isn't always a straight up homage to the Adam West era. But the fact that they they made it very overt with this opening opening prologue here, uh, I I loved that. Lots of lots of cute little cool nods, and like I said, uh, v- very much hit me right in the feels with with those <laughs> uh, with those scenes there. Yeah, absolutely. And you have uh, you have Batman in sort of the flashback like Dick Spring era, like forties and fifties suit too, with the uh, just the black the regular black bat mm-hmm. there, which. Are, I think we, I don't know if we've talked about this on this show. Um, I know at some point James Tucker has talked about that 
you know, when he was sort of trying to come up with a visual identity for this show, he was, you know, he had some different ideas and, you know, nothing was quite clicking. And then I believe he said he had a conversation with, uh, with Bruce Tim, who says, well, just do your, just do the, the, the 50s Batman look <laughs> and that you did in Legends of the Dark Knight originally, which of course, you know, uh, James Secker was the director on that episode. That's such a beloved episode of our, of our main DCAU continuity. And, and so he sort of expanded that and, and still made it its own style. But here again in this episode, especially in that little intro, you have where you have the, the young Robin in the, in the you know, in the, sh the short shorts and the pixie boots and the, as you mentioned, the, the black utility belt, which is very much the, uh, the Burt Ward uh, belt, mm -hmm. which I thought was a nice touch there. And, and then yes, Batman in, in, in kind of his full Dick Sprang glory there as well. I thought that was just a, it's a really fun opening sequence. And then, um, and then, yeah, we go right into the action again with, I think that first bit with Robin sort of just establishing that he's capable in, in the fight with Grundy. And there's a, there's a Robin signal in, in <laughs> that we see shining when, when Grundy first shows up and then some of those fun little bits of, of trying to make it feel like Robin really has set out on his own here. And, uh, the, the, the adult Robin costume itself is, is, uh, very much based on the, uh, the original Earth Two uh, from the from the comics that was sort of established in the in the '60s and and gone back to several times over those decades up until the I think the original Crisis on Infinite Earths wiped a lot of that out. But rather than you know become Nightwing or stay forever young on on that on that uh, on that world, the, the character sort of aged in real time and. And so, yeah, you know, Robin, Robin became an adult and, and, and fought in this, this sort of more adult uh, costume with the long sleeves and the, and the pants. We should point out that, 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 uh, that Robin gets pants in this episode as he <laughs> has these, these uh, really bright yellow ones. But again, it's pretty much right out of that design from the, uh, the 60s Earth 2 comics. So, and, and I think it's fun as a, as a, as a point of difference to not just make him Nightwing right off the bat, as as we alluded to, there are episodes later where he does adopt that persona in this series. But I think having him sort of strike out as 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 the adult Robin first is just it's a good point of difference for, you know, for Young Justice and 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 obviously the new Batman Adventures and even even Teen Titans did a did a crack at a Nightwing at one point. So. It's a, it's a nice little point of difference to instead kind of use that adult Robin and, and see a different version of a, of a older Dick Grayson here. Yeah, and an oft, often forgotten uh, design there with that, with that costume. So yeah, definitely a, uh, definitely a unique homage and tribute in that, that form and fashion. So definitely a, uh, a, a great nod there and one that's uh, enjoyable if, you're a, if your comic book depth of, uh, of knowledge goes as deep as yours does, Liam. So I uh, appreciate that as well. Um, yeah, I, I will say the only thing, um, you know, I love this art style. I love the, I love the sort of the thick, bold lines. I love some of the the tricks that they do, like when uh, the in the final battle between Robin and Crazy Quilt, where he finally makes a connection and hits his fist to his face, you kind of get the 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 classic comic book panel, uh, except in animation. So it's moving mm -hmm. a little bit, but it's sort of frozen with Robin with the uppercut and Crazy Quilt flying back, and the background is sort of painted a solid solid bright orangish red color, I believe. And so you you have that action point. So it's very it it. It's very much invoking the thought of those comic book panels that you've often read. Um, the only thing I, I didn't care for and was a little bit distracting is this episode because of the amount of vehicles that are in it. <laughs> I did, and maybe I sound like a broken record at this point, uh, but uh, yeah, they used a lot. Of, there's a lot of CGI that is interjected here because you have this tank that uh, that crazy quilt is driving and then you have the the bat cycles the batmobile uh, in the opening prologue uh, you have two different bat cycles and there are some scenes where it didn't bother me as much i thought the the first introduction of the robin cycle which i, I love the design because it's very much uh uh, it, it reminds me of the of the Robin car from the from the 90s Batman Robin run mm -hmm. that, that bright red color with the R on the side or the red they call that the red Robin also uh, the red bird red bird okay that's the yeah the red bird red bird car that Robin drove mm -hmm. uh, so very very much uh, invoked that type of imagery but it's it 
did get a little bit distracting, especially when you have both motorcycles on the screen at the same time. And there's lots of turning. And, and when those when those vehicles move, there's just a little bit of choppiness to them that makes them stand out a little bit, I feel. Um, these weren't quite as, as blatant as the Justice League Unlimited introduction where there wasn't any cell shading. There was a little bit of cell shading over top of it, but uh, it's still, there were places where it felt like it stuck out a little bit. So that was a little bit distracting at times. And, and that probably took my score down uh, a point or two, but um, yeah, well, I, what did you feel? How did you feel about the, the use of CGI in this week's episode? Yeah, I had made note of that as well. I think it works better. And I know it's been used in other episodes of this series, but I feel like on Batman's bat cycle, it doesn't look because it's a black vehicle with just sort of these red accents. Um, so maybe you can hide a little bit more of the the sort of off-kilter nature, or just that, that thing where it doesn't feel like it matches the rest of the show. Whereas with Robin's cycle, with the the crazy quilt tank, and and with uh, actually the we get a like a throwback Batmobile that's that's blue in the in the intro there, those all really stuck out to me. It's like ah, they don't quite, they just don't feel like they belong in this world. And 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 again, it's you know obviously a lot of that stuff comes down to budget and and how much time they had and all that stuff. So you know I don't want to, but but it it was definitely noticeable and because a lot of this episode is does involve these vehicles it is sort of constantly uh being brought up whereas if it was just used in one or two establishing shots it maybe wouldn't have been a big as big an issue yeah that makes sense um i'm trying to see if there's anything else that i so the crazy quilt design um i will say that that's a that's a character who i don't Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think he ever actually made it to Batman 66. So I don't think that that's, that's not mm-hmm. one, of, one of those characters that has, uh, has necessarily been done a whole lot in animation. I wouldn't be shocked if it, I haven't watched the entire series, but I wouldn't be shocked if he popped up in Harley Quinn, that Harley Quinn animated <laughs> series. But uh, he's one of those weird characters from that, that era that, uh, you know, this, this is probably his first appearance in animation ever. So uh, a, a unique enough design. I do like the fact that they they kind of once he goes blind, they give you know they changed up the way that his eyes looked, and then when his his helmet gets knocked off at the end in the fight, you kind of see the uh, the grafting to his scalp that he did in order to 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 get the the device hooked directly into his brain. So I appreciated that. Uh, mm-hmm. th- that attention to detail. His his henchmen are just like red, green, and blue blob covered men, essentially. <laughs> that have these guns that fire different color. They're whatever color they are, paintballs. Um, so that that was interesting. Um, but yeah, and then I think the the polka dot room when they get to that that club thirty eight. I thought that that was. Is there some sort of reference to Club 38 that we should know about, by the way? Is that there has to be some sort of weird Easter egg as to why they named that Club 38, right? Probably. I mean, you would think 39 would be the more obvious one right. if it was just a, a Batman reference. So I'm not uh, I'm not sure if that has uh, too much significance. I didn't see that. any in the, uh, in the Batman Brave and the Bull Wikipedia page, any in the trivia. <laughs> I guess if there if there is a meeting, maybe that's something that we can uh, we can ask uh, Mr. James Tucker, uh, a Twitter friend of the show, if he has any recollection on that one. But yeah, um, yeah. So f- for all those reasons, I, I did I do love the animation. I love the look of things. Um, I love the nod to the to the Earth Two Robin and and not doing Nightwing as you mentioned, and that that whole opening homage to Batman sixty six. But uh, the CGI, like I said, brought my score down just a, a tad bit there, so I ended up giving things a uh, a seven out of 10. What about you? Yeah, I went just a tick higher. I went eight out of 10. I think, like I said, I think there's still a lot of fun to be had. I do agree that I feel like quilts, um, or I did, I did think that quilts, uh, henchmen could have been a little more like they're fun. Like it's just these three guys painted head to toe in whatever color, but like their, their weapons are just kind of like regular mini guns, but they shoot paintballs. Like that's kind of a fun gimmick, but uh, I guess I was expect again because this was such an over the top. I do like the as you said the the inclusion of a a death trap sort of right in the middle of the episode. That would be our you know the end of part one of the two part Adam West adventure. So them being stuck in that in the room spinning faster and faster. They're told they're going to be turned two dimensional by the centrifugal force of the room spinning is really wacky and 
and that sequence of Robin sort of, you know, digging the battering into the wall, trying to make his exit while, while Batman sort of struggles to activate his little, uh, his, you know, the laser, the bat laser, as he, as he calls it, um, even though it appears to just be a laser, but you put bat on it, anything. And, and <laughs> if, if Batman uses it, it's a bat, whatever. So uh, yeah, I, I thought that's, that's a fun sequence. And then, yeah, that, that, that ending bit there is as, uh, as they sort of, we see a couple of them sort of in a, in a far kind of zoomed out shot as, as Crazy Quilt is sort of doing his villain laugh before Robin arrives. And then Robin sort of breaks into the, to the factory and right before he sees Batman, he sort of looks at, at all the paintings and we see a few more of them. So I thought that was, again, it looks like the, uh, as you mentioned, the, the background designers and everything had a, had a lot of fun with this episode for sure. So yeah, a lot of good, uh, a lot of good, even with some, uh, some caveats to our, to our, our visual score, still uh, pretty strong scores from both of us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, man, let's move on to our next category, which is going to be music. Uh, I gotta assume music's done by Dynamic Music Partners. So, uh, it sure is. So, uh, what I, I'm, I, I'm going to be completely transparent here with you. I, I didn't have a single note for music other than the, <laughs> other than the, uh, the intro. I know there's, there's music that's playing in the background during that final scene. Uh, and there's some mood setting music between, uh, Batman and and Robin as they take on Crazy Quilt and his his villains, but nothing that necessarily stood out for me. What about you? I had a few notes actually. Um, one thing I would say in that intro, uh, uh, as as I think we we sort of touched on this was that the the original '66 show was not owned by by DC or by Warner Brothers. It's it's I think it's it was, or at least it wasn't for a long time. There were a lot of distribution issues with it, which is why it took so long to get it on, you know, a, a proper home video release. It wasn't until like the, the what the mid 2010s when they finally, uh, when they finally got that out. But, um, but so we don't, we can't use the actual Batman 66 theme, but there's sort of a knockoff version of that. I thought playing during that, that sequence, as you mentioned, is there, there's, they, they, open up the uh the the shakespeare statue and hit the switch and slide down the poles and see the 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 engines firing on the batmobile and they come out of the tunnel and the uh the little uh traffic sign drops down as the batmobile rolls over it and then pops back up so i thought there was some nice little homage music in there Be right there, Commissioner. when the first bit when robin first shows up in in the main episode is there they light the signal and they say we need we need backup here and he gets this really like funky like real bass heavy intro music mm -hmm. and i didn't i didn't really hear it come back so i don't know if it was intended to really be robin's theme or not but i thought but i thought he did get this really sort of almost uh i don't know almost sounds like a <laughs> like a little bit of a rocked up, like a, uh, like a rocked up version of, of like a Johnny Cash song or something. There's like a real, there's like a real, like it's a, it's this old gunslinger coming out of nowhere and he's, you know, flies into action. I, I thought that was kind of a fun, uh, <laughs> wacky, wacky way to introduce Robin to the episode. And then my other note was again, very much in line with the, the Adam West is that quite a few times throughout the episode. And I don't think this is uh, limited to this episode, but uh, I think it was probably used a few extra times in this episode is that when, when someone either Batman or Robin connects with a punch, we just get that, we get that horn uh -huh. <laughs> the dramatic, uh, mm -hmm. the, the Biff pow bam uh, sound effects that would often play during, you know, during those, those fight scenes. And there would always be kind of a horn whenever, when either Batman or Robin made, uh, made contact with one of the, uh, the people they were fighting. And they, they definitely, I thought used that quite a few times. Uh, in in this episode as well probably my favorite one is when 
uh, Robin rushes off the first time when they're when they're at the club and he, he thinks he's going to grab hold of, of Crazy Quilt and Batman's trying to warn him that it's that it must be a trap and uh, the, I think the green henchman sort of tries to sneak up on Batman and we get the classic Batman no look punch and it, it comes in really dramatically there with the with the horn the trumpet there uh, to sound as he as he lands the the blow on this guy and knocks him out without even looking at it so again a lot of I, th- I thought a lot of homages to the music and the, and the themes of the 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 Adam Westport Ward show not just visually and and uh, from our story perspective, but I thought definitely in the music as well. And so uh, I ended up settling on a, a pretty strong seven out of 10 for my music score this week. Nice. Um, I just want to tick lower. I went a six out of 10 for that. Um, again, I didn't, I didn't have a specific note other than, Hey, the music during the fights fights added, you know, it sounded great as, as background music. Um, so there wasn't necessarily something that I picked up on, but those are some, uh, those are some great notes to go back on. Uh, if, if I decide that there's a, if there's a mandatory rewatchability as we'll discuss in a little bit here, uh, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll check that out on the, on the rewatch. All right, Liam, let's uh, wrap things up with our final category for this week, and that is going to be our voice acting. Not a huge cast. Uh, We do have, uh, of course, we've covered this series before, so we've talked a little bit about our Batman. It would be nice to revisit uh, uh, our voice actor for that. But then, of course, as you mentioned, we have a a couple of of new characters that are debuting here. So uh, let's talk about this week's voice cast. Absolutely here. So uh, first of all, we have we have Jeremy Shada playing the young Robin, who uh, I don't know if he would normally warrant a mention, although I, I did think it was interesting that they did a, a separate voice actor, but he has done a lot of voice acting roles, especially uh, maybe most famously as the uh, the the main uh, character of Finn on the very popular Adventure Time animated series. So thought it was worth uh, mentioning him and again as you mentioned very much in every aspect of that opening especially as you know batman is sort of monologuing to robin about uh, about crazy quilt and the way his his uh his uh his twisted criminal mind works and and robin's just so in awe of everything batman's saying and they're just trading cliches back and forth as they as they uh, enter into the fight and everything it's very again very much like a lot of the series was is, is a great homage not only to the to the adam west show but also to the uh you know the the comics of of the the 50s and 60s as well so a uh, fun little uh small role for there for mr shada and then really other than uh, our two main our two main heroes the only other character really of note to speak of uh would be one jeffrey tambor as crazy quilt and uh, let's just press preface this. <laughs> in real life, in more recent years, a uh, lot of really horrible things uh, that this man has been accused of. And if we praise his performance, we are not praising him as a person. We are just we are just going to talk about uh, what what his his performance is in this episode all right just wanna yes we're separating the human being jeffrey tambor and his personal actions and what he has has been accused of and allegedly done from the actor jeffrey tambor's performance as crazy quilt and any other things that he may have acted in that we may that's that's right so so yeah uh with that with that bit of context added uh he is hamming it up like crazy as you would want for a villain named crazy quilt who isn't basically an evil artist an evil painter (laughs) like that's his whole gimmick is that he's this this crazed artist and specifically in this case one that has a a personal vendetta against robin for blinding him with his tri-colored laser uh yeah he is he's a big old ham and it feels like he's maybe channeling uh, you know, a Frank Gorshin or, or, or even like, um, I, uh, the actor's name slips my head, but the man who played King Tut, um, Victor just, Bruno, Victor <laughs> Bruno. Thank you. Uh, just, he's just so over the top and over enunciating and has the dramatic villain laugh. And he is this performance really good for what this episode is going for. Yeah. It's interesting. I was thinking, as I was watching this, I was like, why hasn't Jeffrey Tambor 
done more voice acting. And some of it may be related directly to if you just do a Google search and look at his Wikipedia page, it thinks and his alleged reputation that some people <laughs> have with working with him uh, or why they may want to avoid him. But uh, he has a voice that is is like tailor-made for a children's cartoon he as you mentioned he he overacts he over enunciates he's very much over the top uh, he's able to add some some funny uh, some some funny variations to the way that he says or does things um, I did see that he had done some stuff in the the comedy series Archer and uh, he had credits mm -hmm. for the for the Disney movie Tangled also I'm not sure what I've not seen uh, Tangled, so I, I, I don't uh, don't know what what or how much his role in Tangled was. But uh, it's it's shocking how how few voice acting roles uh, that he has, especially because he's it's not not as if he was acting in while he was a respected actor. I feel like he was more as more known as a almost not a character actor, but more like he's just that guy that everybody knows. Like he's the, he's the guy from the Larry Sanders show. He's the guy mm -hmm. from Arrested Development. Um, so I, I didn't feel like his status until maybe later on in his career uh, was, was elevated to that point where uh, he didn't, uh, he could, he could only take those acting roles, but uh, yeah, he, he does a great job. Um, it, it's unfortunate as we mentioned uh, the, the performance, uh, praising the performance and not the, the performer for who they are uh, is a is a tightrope to walk so <laughs> I, we'll just say that from my perspective a great performance uh, from this very complicated and uh, and uh, oftentimes uh, controversial actor uh, who uh, who has a lot of things on his resume that you point to and say yep those are great performances and this adds to one of those it's just an unfortunate, uh, unfortunate that it's a person that doesn't have a great reputation and has been accused of some terrible things. Brilliant as always, Batman. Unlike Matisse, however, I was blinded by a prepubescent brat. Quilt, you're a lousy artist and a lousier villain. If you've got the guts to show yourself, I'll gladly take you on alone. Then come and get me, little birdie. Wait, Robin, it's a trick. I can handle whatever this Z-lister's got. Again, praising the performance, <laughs> not the actor. Yeah, uh, yeah. This will, this will be my last little piece on this. I'll just say, I know there is a desire to sometimes want to divorce or, or to act as if talent is a sign of, of, of being a good person or that the entertainment industry is a, is a meritocracy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but like a lot of areas of life, it's not. And sometimes people that are incredibly talented, especially as comedic performers, uh, sometimes they turn out to not be not be good people in real life. And that that doesn't mean you're you're a bad person or or or, a, or, or wrong for pointing out that you're at least I don't believe that you're a wrong person to point out that hey, this performance is still really good. Um, but it is it is a weird tightrope to walk because you don't want to. You know, glorify a person that has has maybe done some some bad things in in his personal life, which it's certainly again based on the amount of accusations against him, it would seem that he is. So a complicated a uh, complicated way of of talking about Mr. Tambor here, but I'll pivot here by just saying once again uh, for the millionth time, Andrea Romano also of course was in charge of the voice directing and and casting in this series, so. Uh, especially at the time, uh, a great uh, a great bit of casting from uh, from Miss Romano here to have have this uh, this 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 uh, this actor come in and give this super over the top villain performance for a really silly and over the top villain like it's it's picture perfect for what they were going for. And, Agreed. Uh, from there, that'll move us on to our our heroes of the piece. We of course have. Uh, uh, we'll get to our Batman in just a moment. We do have as playing the adult Robin. We have uh, Crawford Wilson, who was, uh, this was not a name I recognize. He has done a lot of, uh, of voice acting work over the years. Um, certainly a lot, of, a lot of other cartoons and, and video games and, and things like that, but not, you know, not one of the, the big, big names of, uh, of that. You see his, his, you see his name credited in a lot of like additional voices or as, you know, he's done like a lot, seems like he's done a lot of the, 
like English versions of different some some different animes. He's done voice in the in the uh, the Kingdom Hearts series and and things like that as well. So he's uh, you know it's certainly an accomplished guy, but maybe not not the person you'd expect, especially when you're looking around at some of the other actors in the series who are you know working in in live action film and TV. But yeah, just a, a veteran voice actor here, and again playing an adult Silver Age slash you know tail end of the golden age robin who is who is still has that sort of youthful energy about him but is also an adult and is sort of again sort of he feels himself being pulled and sort of almost forced back into this role that he served as a kid where he's sort of in deference and and being sort of uh, made to play second banana to batman i think is uh, i think he does a really good job with it yeah that 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 back and forth that he has with batman and the the frustration that he that he continually has to show with batman sort of disrespecting him and and not treating him as an adult and like i said that the line that he delivers with the star labs the starry night star labs thing and then there's this pregnant pause and then batman just repeats exactly what he just says and that they just cut back to Robin being extremely frustrated over it. Just <laughs> such a great moment. I, I, I howled that. And then the, the next scene, as I mentioned, where he's complaining about why he always has to take out the, the henchman and Batman says it's because it's what he's best at or because he's uh, because he's, that's what he's the best at. <laughs> he's an expert at that. I love that. Uh, so yeah, I, I, <laughs> I love that. I love a lot of that. Uh, also, it's just Batman's condescending tone, oblivious condescending tone throughout. Uh, and then Robin just finally snapping at the end and saying, you know, he's going to give Batman a piece of his mind only for him to turn around and Batman have escaped uh, so that he can't really deliver deliver that uh, what he's been feeling is, is pretty great. I love, love it. Yeah, a, a good solid performance. And uh, I, with other appearances of, of the Boy Wonder in this series, uh, you have to have to wonder what uh what performances lie ahead for this this voice actor and uh, whether or not he'll continue to turn in good ones so uh maybe down the line we'll review another episode or two uh featuring the same voice actor absolutely yeah definitely a real solid job done by mr wilson and then of course our uh, our main event here diedrich bader himself we've talked about him quite a few times because we've covered this show quite a few times but uh again picture perfect for this show and it's funny because often i think in previous episodes uh, again with the exception of maybe of chill of the night which we covered uh, probably most recently in this series he's very often the straight man you know all of this wacky wild stuff is happening around him with aliens and you know super villains and he's he's just sort of playing it straight and play, being being stone cold serious but they kind of and again often like in the in the adam west show that is actually the comedy even though he's not really playing the straight man he is sort of the co the comedic foil of robin in this episode but it's still within that realm of him he never there's no winking at it there's no oh i was just trying to rile you up no he's just being batman <laughs> the whole time and and as, as you said some of those interactions they have as in right from the first part of the episode where you know, it's Batman and the young Robin and they're just trading, trading different cliches about crime doesn't pay and, and all this stuff. And, and then, and then once you have the adult Robin, who is now sort of reacting negatively to all of this, and then you just have Batman sort of very matter of fact, feeling like, I thought you'd like the sidecar, <laughs> like, like just, just little things of him being so oblivious because he's just so single-minded in his crusade for justice. It's, and sort of playing that for comedy while still playing it completely straight is it's a weird line to walk but uh you know a few a few batman actors across history have been able to pull it off and uh, and mr bader is one of them yeah absolutely and uh i think we we touched on it briefly but that that final conversation that he has with with mr wilson's robin at the end where they're discussing the you know discussing the 
how he's always trusted Robin and uh, that, you know, he has faith in him. It's sort of just like the, the proud dad giving the son like the, well, you know, I, I, I do believe in you. I, I've always believed in you. Um, even though he's been this overbearing figure throughout the entire episode. So uh, it, it's like you said, it's balanced perfectly it, every line that he delivers is delivered without a hint of, of sarcasm or irony. And again, the, the whole thing that makes this performance amazing is, is that I feel like Mr. Bader just bought heart and soul into this character being like the most serious Batman on earth in a world where everything around him is just absolutely goofy and silly, but he holds to that, like, no, everything is serious. I'm still a serious Batman. This is still a serious television show. Um, so I, I love that, that there's a lighthearted nature around everything. It's very much, uh, very much in the same vein of the, of the Adam West Batman, which gave that show such a, a great spirit. And then this having, having its own twist on it, Mr. Bader, just, yeah. Every time I've heard a performance, uh, it's been, it's been, uh, it's been awe-inspiring. So uh, yeah, he's, he's a really good Batman also as uh, as we've come to learn here as we've reviewed these episodes so uh, unsurprisingly uh, i ended up giving voice acting for this week again very strong uh, a eight out of ten what about you yeah i uh, i went with the exact same score once again of eight out of ten um yeah just for for all the reasons we've talked about i think it's it's a lot of fun it's a, it's not a big cast so our our our, our two main leads there and in, in, in mr wilson and mr bader really have to carry it and they uh unsurprisingly perhaps especially for mr bader who we've heard quite a few times uh, they rise to the occasion here and it's uh, it's quite a bit of fun to uh to experience it and to see sort of a you know a, a, another slice of the of, of of an you know as as comedic as it is to see that sort of examination of of this this sort of strange father-son relationship that uh, the the batman and especially the dick grayson version of robin seem to develop over the years so it's a lot of fun and again it rings true to i think uh, almost any interpretation but do especially to these uh, you know this this homaging era of the the late golden age to uh to kind of early and mid silver age agreed all right, Liam. Well, that will begin to uh, to wrap things up here. So why don't we get our totals and totaling everything up? Uh, I end up with a very solid twenty nine out of forty. What about you? Yeah, and I'm just a, a couple points higher there. I have a thirty one out of forty for my final score. All right. Well, it's hard as we always talk about with, well, we did it last week though. So we got it. We do it every week. So uh, let's talk about rewatchability for this Batman Brave and the Bold. Not a lot of continuity necessarily between the episodes from what I've gathered thus far. Not a lot of continual, continual plot threads, at least in these early seasons. Um, mm -hmm. However, as we mentioned, Robin does appear again. Uh, there's a, at least a couple times where he appears again, or the Dick Grayson character does at least. So mm -hmm. that seems like the getting the background on how this Robin, adult Robin character came to be, the story of his past, uh, <laughs> and how he came to be, if you will, is, is kind of pivotal. So uh, I would say maybe this is a one thumb up for rewatchability. It's fun. I, I don't, I think we've said it every time we've reviewed these these episodes are fun and a breeze to get through and um so i i don't think there's anything holding it back from that but uh overall because there's not a whole lot of continuity stuff that happens maybe that's it's not quite two thumbs up for me so i'll give it the old uh the one thumb up what about you yeah i can agree with that there's definitely uh like i said there's not a not a ton there are a couple of longer sort of overarching stories later in the series but early on you're not a ton um, there is a there is a line in this episode where 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 Batman sort of justifying uh, uh, Robin's treatment over the years, and he mentions that Speedy had to sharpen arrows and Aqualad had to scrub barnacles. <laughs> that was and, uh, and there is an episode a little bit later on where those three characters team up. Uh, uh, so so you could you could say that yeah, there's definitely a little bit of cohesive tissue between this one and. The next couple of times that uh, that Robin slash Dick Grayson pop up in this series, but yeah, so I, I would give it one thumb up for that. As far as just a standalone episode, is it the most important episode of this series? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say so, but it is. You know, it's the debut of a, a pretty important port, 
part important part of the uh, of the Batman mythos to this series, and then uh, the character does return later on. So yeah, I think this is a solid uh, thumbs up for sure for uh, for rewatchability. There we go. All right, Liam. Well, that will bring us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Don't forget, if you would like to support us, you have a few different ways of doing so. Uh, of course, as we mentioned at the top of the program, you can subscribe to us on the Pod Tower on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Pod Tower. Get our full entire catalog, including our bonus episodes and all of those episodes that we've done in the past reviewing Batman Brave and the Bold, uh, starting with the first one, which I think was the Attack of the Secret Santas. I think that was the first mm-hmm. one. Invasion. Invasion. Of the Secret. I always say attack. It's invasion. Invasion <laughs> of the Secret Santas. Yeah, that uh, way, way back when. That was the first Christmas episode, I believe, that we did. So uh, check that one out mm-hmm. in the archives along with a few others. Uh, you can check that out at youtube.com slash the pod tower. Subscribing to that channel helps us out. And it also helps out our friends at Tim Talk and the, uh, the Watchtower database who uh, put out a lot of great content on that channel as well. Don't forget, also subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app if you listen to us on apple you can leave a five-star review with a little paragraph telling people what you like that helps us it helps the algorithm if you listen to us on spotify you can leave a five-star review on there you can also interact with the, the spotify exclusive polls and questions that we have for each episode every week so check that out there's also a link at the bottom uh, of our anchor site and as well as uh, at the bottom of uh, all the distributed links there you can click on that if you want to donate to us directly or head over to dcaureview.com click on the store and you can uh, get yourself a piece of merch if you want to support us that way. Liam, of course, people can also support us by following us on social media at DCAU Review, both on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Having a lot of fun talking about all things DC uh, over on our Twitter page and posting lots of fun stuff on Instagram as well. So join the conversation. William, part of the conversation includes talking about what episode we will be reviewing next week. So why don't we give a little sneak peek of what that will be? That is right, Cal. We will be reviewing another alternate animated Robin. We will be returning to the world of the Batman. Not that one. The 2004 <laughs> animated series. We actually covered an episode not too long ago. Um, coincidentally, right when that movie was coming out. Uh, but this one will, of course, focus on uh, that series uh, introduction for The Boy Wonder. And uh, it's going to be interesting, I think, especially because uh, like uh, Robin's Reckoning before it, it is directly tackling uh, Dick Grayson's origins. So it'll be interesting to see how that rises up as we will be covering uh, the first episode of the fourth season of The Batman, that being A Master of Family. Well, there we go. I remember that being very excited about the Boy Wonder being introduced to that series because I think prior to that we had only had Batgirl introduced as uh, as Batman sidekick. So uh, very interesting there. Also, our first Robin origin story of our Robin month. So excited to cover new ground with you there. Uh, it's going to be a, a great week, and we have some great stuff coming up for our final week of the month as well. Cannot wait, Liam. But until then, I'm Cal. Matt and Liam, and we'll talk to you on the next episode of the DC. Bye-bye.